0: It is always a pleasure to be here. It's good to see faces that I recognize and faces that I don't recognize. It's good to be here. Um, Very thankful for the opportunity. Very thankful for the prayer. Would ask that while I stand before you, you would continue to pray that whatever is said is to his praise and honor and glory. That... I'm out of it. Um, I told Brother Don I didn't come to preach, which doesn't mean a thing. (laughs) But if you'll bear with me a few minutes, I'll try to take a little bit of time. I really came to hear somebody else. You know, when you're the pastor of a church and you're there every week, you... Forget what other people are saying. You have to go out and look for it. It's good to be fed. Um, Let me ask you a question. You don't have to answer it. This is a rhetorical question because I know what the answers are. And like a good lawyer, I'll answer the question. I'll have the answers for you. I was. I've always been told that a lawyer knows the answer to the question before he asks one. Right? Is that right? Should. Should. (laughs) So. When you think of God, what description do you come up with? Just off the top of your head, most people will say love. 1 John 4 tells us that God is love. That's that's a true statement. And he loves us because of the promise that he gave us. He he made that decision before the foundation of the world that he'd love his children. And he's kept that promise all the way through. God is love. Of course, some people think God is love means that it's okay for everything to go on about business and stuff. But God's love is about what is right and righteous and praise to his holy name. So another question, what else did you think of? I typically think of sovereign. God is sovereign. What does sovereign mean? Sovereign means that he's totally in control. Uh, Acts 17 tells us that our very breath, our very life, is created by him. He has control of everything. A lot of people don't think of sovereignty. But God is sovereign. So what goes along with sovereign? I'll give you three words that goes along with it. and, And Lord willing, if you'll guide me. Those words are omniscience. Omnipresence and omnipotence, big words. Means he knows everything, he's everywhere, and he's all-powerful. Very simple, those three words. You'll go with me to Psalms 139. I'd like to show you Brother David telling us about those three words. Psalms 139 The first six verses are about his omniscience, that he knows all things. The next uh, seven through 12 is omnipresence, that he is everywhere. David tells us this. And and 13 through 18 is omnipotence, his all-powerful. And then the last six verses is a prayer that David has. It's a prayer that we all should have. Now, as you look at this, you have to remember that when the scriptures are talked about in the New Testament, the scriptures are talking about is the Old Testament. It is one story. I heard a a story about one minister that he took the there's a page between Malachi and Matthew that all it says is New Testament. The New Testament. And he just tore that page out because it's one story. It's not two. It's one story. Now I have trouble hurting my Bible that way, but it's one story. So when you're reading the New Testament and you see something that is quoted in the Old Testament, then it's talking about what? It's talking about Jesus. Everything in the Old Testament... In fact, he tells the Pharisees that you search the scriptures and in them you think you have eternal life, but they, those scriptures, testify of me. These scriptures testify of Jesus as the Son, his Father, and the Holy Spirit. And they testify of him. And these scriptures are something that I I turn to when I get down. Problems are weighing on me. And I turn to these because this is God, Jehovah, the Holy God. Verse 1 says, Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Don't you think about that. He searched us. He's looked through us all. He's and known me means by experience he knows us. You know your family by experience. You know your spouse by experience. I don't know you by experience. I know some of you with a little experience, but not this experience. God knows us thoroughly, completely. He says, verse 2 says, Thou knowest my downsitting and my uprising, thou understandest my thought afar off. I had to look all that up. Downsitting, that's pretty easy. When you sit down and do nothing, He knows all about your downsitting. He searches you. He knows you, and your uprising when you stand up and go do things. He knows about all that too. And then it says, "And thou understandest my thought afar off." Well, does that mean that I understand his thoughts? Like in Clovis, they're hundred miles away. No, the afar off is from the beginning of time. He knows us from the very. He knows our thoughts from the very beginning of time. Now I don't know about you, but that sort of gives me a a, a chill because every once in a while more than i like my thoughts go the wrong way and he knows them and he knew them from the beginning before there was anything because he knows us that well he says thou compassest my path and my line down and art acquainted with all my ways he's around us he knows us he knows our paths He knows our ways, our roads. My lying down. When I lie down in bed at night and I'm not doing anything but thinking, he knows. And when you're worrying at night, what's the best thing to do? Start reviewing scriptures. You can review scriptures. Of course, my problem is is I get them messed up. So I tend to want to read the Bible and read the scriptures out of the Bible. But he says, "And art acquainted with all my ways, all my actions, roads, paths." He knows all my ways. That's another scary thought, because sometimes my ways aren't the way aren't the right ways. He says, "For thou," uh, he says, um, "For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether." You ever had one of those thoughts, and that word comes out. And before you can stop it and bring it back in, it's too late. Well, he knows that from afar off. Remember, God is love. He loves you anyway. He says, thou hast beset me behind and before and laid thy hand upon me. Thou hast beset me. He's confined us. You know, you read Job, remember what it talked about, Job? And, and when, the, when Satan was having trouble, he couldn't get Job to, to curse God and die like his wife said. And God asked him about it, or was listening to him. And Satan says, well, you've got a hedge around him. God has a hedge around you. I want you to think that. He's got a hedge around you that protects you from the ills of the devil. And the devil is out there trying to get you. But he can't. Just like Job, he can't. He can beset us with ills and troubles and sores and all that kind of stuff, but he cannot get your soul because you are God's. Your name is engraved in Jesus' hands. That's why Isaiah 49. Think about that. Your name is engraved as in stone. Nothing can take you out of his hands. And he says, He says, Uh, Thou hast beset me behind him before and hath laid thy hand upon me. He's got his hand around us. If that doesn't make you feel better in times of trouble, read some more scriptures. He says, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain unto it. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Well, that's natural. But our thoughts tend to be part of our old men. Old natural man. That's his knowledge, omniscience, omniscience. He knows us that well. Verse 7 says, Whither shall I go from thy spirit? Whither shall I flee from thy presence? You ever had one of those thoughts about that um, sin that you thought you got away with, and, th- and it suddenly dawns on you that, oh, he knows that sin. And when you went that place that you shouldn't have gone, do you ever remember that you're taking him with you? Because Jesus, it says, the hope of glory, Christ in us. Jesus is in us. He's in our heart. And when we go someplace we shouldn't go, we go into that sin, we're taking Jesus with us. If that doesn't doesn't stop you and make you start thinking about something, where shall I go from my... From thy spirit. whether shall I flee from thy presence? He's promised us he'll never leave us. And nor forsake us. That's in Joshua. And that's in Hebrews. Never forsake us. He'll never leave us. We tend to leave him. He never leaves us. Prodigal son took off. Took his. Not his inheritance. It says inheritance. But the second son doesn't inherit. You remember that? The second son gets his wages. And he takes his wages, and he goes into the world, like most of us have done. Okay, He goes into the world, and pretty soon he doesn't have any wages left, and he's eating the stuff the pigs won't eat. Remember that story? And he says, if I, if I can just go back to my, my father and say, you know, hey, let me be a servant, because his servants are living better than I am. And just be a servant he practiced it three times and when he goes back to his father what's happened is the father sitting there going no I don't know you no the father runs to him because the father's always with him you haven't you, you, you get to be the prodigal son and you take off and go do those things you didn't quit being a son it doesn't matter what your children have done they're still your children you will never quit loving them You may talk to them about their consequences, but you'll never stop loving them. God has never, will never stop loving you. God will love. There's a reason for that too, bye. He says, if I ascend into heaven, thou art with thee. I'm sorry, if I ascend, ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. And I had to question that. What do you mean in hell? He's everywhere. He knows exactly what's happening. If I sent, by the way, hell there is not Hades or down there. That's the evil times that you're in. He says, if I take wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me and thy right hand shall hold me. That should comfort you to know that no matter where you're at, God is with you. Where did the song Amazing Grace come from? John Newton was in the middle of a terrible storm on a ship that was a slaver. And when God opened his heart, the hour I first believed, grace. Even in the worst storms of life, God's with you. The poem that talks about... um, uh, the two men, the two the man's walking with Jesus, and you know, and he's looking back over his life, and there's times when there's two sets of tracks in the sand, and then there's times there's only one track of sand, and in the tra- so, you know, and he sees that, and he says, he says, Jesus, in the worst time of my life, you left me. What was Jesus' answer? No, I carried you. He's with you all the time. He never leaves you. He never forsakes you. When life gets bad, He's got you in His hand. And I know sometimes life seems to be really bad. But who do you trust in? He says, verse 11: If I say, Surely the darkness will cover me, even the night shall be light about me. Darkness there is evil. Because night's dark, I mean, you know, think about it. Darkness there is evil. If evil encompasses me, even the night shall be light about me. Yea, the darkness evil hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to thee. There is no dark in God's eyes. It's all light. He is our illumination. Jesus Christ uh, paid the price for you and me, and, and because of that... He sees us in white, pure, because the blood has washed us clean. Verse 13, that's uh, omnipresence. Verse 13 now, this starts about his omnipotence. I want you to think about this. Verse 13 says, For thou hast possessed my reins, my inner self, and thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. That covered means entwined. You remember when David was um, David figured out Nathan had come to him and told him he was the man that had committed the to sin, told him the story about the, the guy that had the all the sheep and he took the one man's pet and used it to feed the rich people that came to visit him. Remember that story? And David said that man needs to be killed. And Nathan said, You're the man. Remember what David said? Am I gonna die? Is God going to kill me? And he says, no. Thy sins are covered. Well, Jesus had not died yet. But his sins were covered. But you're going to be in war the rest of your life. And your son's going to die. There was a penalty. We have a penalty. We have consequences here on the earth. But it doesn't change the fact that we're still a child of God. And you remember what David did when his son was sick? He took ashes and sackcloth and prayed for a week. Just prayed constantly. Wouldn't eat. And finally, the baby died. And they, his his servants were going. Now what do we do? We go tell him. What do we what What do we do? You know he's the king, sovereignty. Remember the messenger gets killed because he had the bad message. This is what these guys are thinking about. And what does David do? David says, I perceive that the child has died. And they said, yes, king, they have. He said, okay. So he goes back in his room, changes clothes, gets all cleaned up, and goes out and starts eating. And his servants are just lost. They don't understand. He says, they said, but you spent a week in ashes and sackcloth and and praying and not eating. And now all of a sudden your son has died. And here you are. You're having a, your life is good. He says he says listen what he says he says I know that I I know that my son has died he'll not come to me but I will see him he knew that his son was in heaven and he knew he would be in heaven because he has God the Father's promise and Jesus paid the price several hundred years later all right Let's go on, for thou hast possessed my reins, and thou hast covered me in my mother's womb, in the mother's womb. Remember the Holy Spirit. You know, when do you get the Holy Spirit? Whenever God gives it to you. John the Baptist received the was filled with the Holy Spirit in his mother's womb. His mother received the Holy Spirit at the same time. God puts the Holy Spirit in you at His timing, not ours. He says, I will praise thee for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. That's fearfully is awe, in awe, awe, wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works that my soul knoweth right well. Your soul knows what God has done for you. Your soul connects with that. My substance was not hid from thee. Your body was not hid from thee. When I was made in secret, that's in your mother's womb, that's in secret. And curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, my strength, yet being unperfect. And in thy book, God's book. All my members were written. That's my days. All your days are written. He knows every day about you. He knows everything about you. We talked about that at the beginning. Your name, your na- days are numbered in his mind. He knows. Which were in co- continuous, were fashioned, and then as yet was, there was none of them. Before you were ever born, what did he tell Jeremiah? Before you were ever in your mother's womb, I knew you. He knew you before you were ever conceived. He knew you as thou hast searched me and known me before you were ever born, because He knew you from creation all the way now and all the way to the end. He knows you that well, and your continuance, your days, your body, your life is fashioned. Verse 17 says, how precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God, how great is the sum of them. You ever thought about God thinking about you? I was driving by a missionary Baptist church in Clovis and it had a sign on there that Jesus is praying for you. You ever thought about that? He prayed for the disciples. So, he's praying for you. What's he praying for? Yeah, I think about it. The only thing I can figure out is he's praying that my eyes will be open that I'll see him more, that I'll search for him more, not because I'm lost or anything like that, but because I need that kind of personal fellowship. And the reason I say fellowship is because we never lose our relationship. Your children are your children, no matter how long. They're always your children. My dad is still my dad. He's gone on beyond. He's with heaven, He's in, with Jesus. He's still my dad. That doesn't change. But my fellowship with him is important, and that comes down to a lot of things that I do wrong. But he doesn't forget me. He sent his son to pay the price for me so that I would always have that relationship. And then, Brother Don, you can tell me which what chapter this is in but it says work out your salvation with trembling and make it sure with fear and trembling that's not being saved and going to heaven that's manifesting what God has done for you that's it that's what we're supposed to be doing is standing up and shouting praise God because he is our savior and the only way we know that just like he told Peter and he said, What do you say? Who do you say I am? And Peter said, Thou art the Christ. And Jesus said, You didn't get that from man, you got that straight from God. You didn't learn it from man. Verse 19 says, Oh, wait a minute. Verse 17, How precious are thy thoughts unto me, O God, how great is the sum of them! Jeremiah 21, and 29, twenty nine eleven says, I know the thoughts that I have of thee, what I think of thee, the plans, not of evil, but of good, that you would have an expected end. What's the expected end? You'll be in heaven with me. Malachi 3.6 says, "I I am God and I change not, therefore you sons of Jacob are not consumed. Jacob, the Israelites had gone so far away like, we're doing now, we're going so far away from God, but He hasn't forsaken us. He made a promise before the foundation of the world for you and me. You're part of that, you're adopted in. He says, verse 18 If I should count them, the sum of them, they are more in number than the sand. When I wake, I am still with Thee. Comforting. Verse 19. David says, "Surely thou wilt slay the wicked, O God. Depart from me, therefore, ye bloody men." Read Isaiah 11. He says, "For they speak against thee wickedly, and thine enemies take thy name in vain." That's what's happening today. That's what's happened. That happened 50 years ago in this country. That happened a hundred years before that. That happened a thousand. I mean, it's always the evil are always speaking evil against him. Because they don't know him. Oh, a verse I forgot. Remember, thou knowest me, hast searched me, and known me. Right? What do you do with that verse in Matthew 7.23 that says to the Pharisees, I have never known you. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. He doesn't love everybody the same way. There are people that he, his children, he loves with an undying love, but he didn't know everybody like he's talking about here. Jesus knows you inside and out. Why? He's in you. That's another rabbit. We won't chase it. He said, For they speak against thee wickedly, and thine enemies take thy name in vain. Do not I hate them, O Lord, that hate thee, Am I not grieved with those that rise up against thee? Are you grieved about the ones that rise up against God? Should be. Now, I know we're not supposed to hate people. But we hate evil. That's okay. We hate evil. He says, I hate them with perfect hatred. I count them mine enemies. If they hate God, they don't know God. If they don't know God, God doesn't know them unless it's one of his children that's sort of off the way and then he opens his heart when it's time. Well, I don't know who they are. I can't judge them. I just know I don't like their attitude sometimes. He says, search me. You know, here, here's the part we need to remember. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Now, he knows us completely, but this is know my inward thoughts, Okay. Try me. Test me. This is going to get hard. And know my thoughts. He knows my thoughts. But know my thoughts. And he says, verse 24, And see if there be any wicked way in me. If there's any wicked way in me, take it out of me. Can you sit here right now and say to the Lord... Search me, O oh God, know my heart, try me and know my thoughts, and if there be any wicked way in me, does that not give you a little bit of uncomfortableness? I had a long, had a, a long time, I had a, a, a problem with uh, the, the, um, the fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. I'm not righteous. Yes, you are. Why are you righteous? Jesus Christ paid the price for you. So your fervent, fervent, fervent prayer availeth much. So you can sit here and go, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me. And then what he says? And lead me in the way everlasting. What is the way everlasting? We're following Jesus Christ. We're trying to rock in his shoes. We're trying to do our best towards all of his children, wherever they may be. And we give thanks and praise and honor to his holy name because he first loved us from afar, from before the foundation of the world. You see, God never leaves his children. And when you say God, I had a thought about that. I'm sorry, I'm going to chase a rabbit. Wonderful prayer. I appreciate the prayer. When you pray, do you pray to Jesus or do you pray to God the Father? Think about it a second. You're praying to God. You're praying to Jesus. You're praying the Holy Spirit because those three are one, right? But we tend to go God or our Father. You know, in that prayer he told us to start, you know, uh, uh, an example, our Father who art in heaven, right? Okay? Well, he said it that way because he's praying to his father, right? He wasn't in heaven right then. But we're supposed to say our father who are in heaven. But we ask things in Jesus' name. So we didn't father and Jesus at the same time. And we cannot pray that if we don't have the Holy Spirit. I had a friend tell me that... Uh, that uh, he told me the other day was having coffee, and I asked a, ask a philosophical question, and boy, did coffee get really exciting. And uh, but his answer to me was, uh, uh, I asked him about how people, there, Southern Baptist, how you know what happens when you join the church. And he says, well, when you accept Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit enters you immediately, instantaneously. And I went, no. And he goes. Galatians 5, 22 says, the fruit of the Spirit are, and the fifth one is faith. You can't accept Jesus Christ, you can't believe in Jesus Christ if you don't have the Holy Spirit, right? Okay. You get the Holy Spirit as a gift of God. Some of us, I'll use my example, I've always known that I was a child of God. I've got to sit down. I've always known that I was a child of God and He loved me. But I have, I have a lot of friends that they can tell you the day that they were saved. Okay? Now, and I've argued with them. But they know the day, just like John Newton knew, the hour that I first believed. And that's what it was, the hour they first believed. The hour that they understood that their life was against God and that they had to change. And he had opened their heart and told them who he was. That's when they were saved. And that's a true statement. I know about you. But I don't relate to them because I've always known. I think some of you have always known too. But there's probably somebody in here that can remember the day that God opened his eyes and said, You're my child. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me. And lead me guide me in the way everlasting. Before I finish, I have a question for you. We talk about amazing grace. How sweet the sound. Is that amazing grace when you first believed, when you were saved, when Jesus' blood paid for you? Is that what we're talking about? Well, yes. But what about today? Right? Because His grace... Grace is defined as the divine intervention. Grace falls upon you all the time. So we should be asking him to search us and to lead us, guide us in the way everlasting. And when we do that, then we can sing that song. Uh, What is it? Trust and obey. We can only be happy when we trust And obey and we're happy because we're here today because Jesus died for us God the Father knew us so well that he promised his son would come from the very beginning of time before the beginning of time he made a promise third chapter of Genesis And when the sixth chapter came along and he wanted to destroy everything living on the earth, the reason he didn't start all over was because he'd made a promise that Jesus was coming. And he doesn't break his promises. And his promise to you is, you're going to be in heaven with me because you're my child. And he will not break that promise. I took too much time.